Welcome to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. All things fantasy football with a sprinkle of sports betting. I'm Shannon Somerville. Finally, we're here. The playoffs this weekend kicks off with Super Wild Card Weekend. Joining us, a special guest to help break it all down is Ben Wilson, sports betting host at VEASAN and play-by-play broadcaster. Ben, thanks so much for joining us and Happy New Year. Oh, Shannon, thank you so much. I feel like we've been waiting for months for this and yet the season has just flown by in, in that same period. So like now I'm sitting here, we're six games wildcard slate and it's like you have all the all the data, all the numbers from the full regular season. Uh, and it's it's amazing like some of the edges you still see. Yet at the same time, like you could talk me into literally like any outcome outside of like the Dolphins winning outright this week. I mean, it really is crazy. Yeah, as I was looking at the matchups, I lean chalk, but there are a couple that could go kind of either way, and I'm glad we'll be talking them through as we start things off. We'll just go through all the games, and you can give us the best edge on each game, see where we can find some betting value. And let's start things off with the first game of the weekend. That's the 49ers who are hosting the Seattle Seahawks, a good old NFC West showdown. The 49ers have beaten them all two times that they've played this season, of course, beating a team three times in a row in the same year, no easy feats. However, the 49ers have been dominant over the last 10 games. They've won all 10, and Brock Purdy looks pretty good as a starter back there going up against Geno Smith. 49ers coming into this one as nine and a half point favorites. What is your assessment of this point spread? It's interesting to see the market actually kind of like Seattle in the game, and it was mostly 10 on the openers, which to me was a pretty fair number. I would make the game small, double digits. But, like, you get it, right? People say, okay, third divisional rematch, playoff game. You, you just can't be giving that many points. And yet I look at it, and, and I can't help but say, okay, with Brock Purdy coming in as a quarterback, it's five starts. Guys put up top 12 advanced metric quarterback numbers. And he, like, is pretty clearly, Shannon, like, the perfect system fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with the offense. You think about San Francisco's defense as well. I mean, top three, both run against the run and against the pass. The first two meetings, Seattle scores six points in the first three quarters, gets a garbage time blocked mm-hmm. field goal return touchdown, uh, scores six points in the and is shut out in the uh, in the other game too. Six points in the first three quarters combined between the two games. I don't see how there's like an easy path for Seattle moving the ball in the game. And so even if you think that San Francisco is too to lay double digits with a rookie quarterback and maybe it's a more conservative game plan. It's really hard for me to see Seattle in a world where this thing is a one score game. So if the number keeps falling, like I have this eye as a teaser spot to go to six, six or six and a half point teaser, get the number down below the key number of three, which would qualify at least for me on that one teaser front for San Francisco. But what do you think about Brock Purdy as a fantasy option for the playoffs? If you're looking at a team where, if you gave me one free bet, any future in the NFL, it's San Francisco to win the NFC for me. Like, they should be favored. They are the most complete team right now. I don't care that Philadelphia has home field advantage. The Niners are better. And at 2-1, to one, that would be my bet. So if you translate that into, say, fantasy purposes, where Purdy's going to put up decent numbers, you're getting him at a really good value price, and I see him playing at least three rounds, if not four, that would be a really interesting buy low spot for me if you're looking to build a fantasy team. Because to me, that system is set up to benefit him perfectly. He's not really making mistakes. Uh, and it's a perfect setup for him with with weapons like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel right around him. Right. He's got the keys to the Camaro right there. So he doesn't have to do a whole lot. And you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. Since he's taken on a full-time role 
with this offense for the 49ers, the 49ers are number one in overall DVOA by a wide margin, 60% compared to in second place is the Eagles at 31%, which goes to show you just how well-oiled of a machine this 49ers offense is. And on the flip side, that Seattle defense has struggled all year stopping the run. So how yeah. do you see the 49ers offense with Brock Purdy in that run game? No, it, it looks Seattle 30th against the run the last five weeks to do so. As much as people want to say, well, you know, it's Seattle. They, they, they righted the ship. They found yeah. a way. It statistically, doesn't really back that up. I mean, you watched Cam Akers run absolutely wild last week for the Rams. <laughs> right. You, you or I, who are not even close to having the, the build of an NFL player, we probably could have run through the <laughs> hole we opened up by the – uh, by the uh, Rams offensive line. And that's not even a good old line. Like they were battered in on second stringers. So I fear for the Seattle fans what San Francisco does. I'm just worried about laying a huge number, but mm-hmm. this should be a spot. You know, you're going to pay a huge premium in the prop market with the McCaffrey's and Samuels of the world, yeah. especially in a matchup like this. So I'd probably stay away there. But like, how are they slowing down the 49ers? <laughs> I don't think any no number would dictate that this yeah. match is even whatsoever. And another guy that we haven't even talked about is George Kittle, who's had seven touchdowns in the last four games. I could see him scoring another touchdown in this one, especially since Seattle's defense ranks 27th in defensive DVOA versus opposing teams' tight ends. He's had huge games against Seattle in the past, dating even back to last year. So maybe a spot for a prop bet might be to look at George Kittle over on his receiving yards or an anytime touchdown there. So I'm always a fan of the king of the yak. Yes, hey, you're you're talking you're talking. At first, I'm coming in like, yeah, you know what, Purdy, there could be some nice uh, value spots there. You're kind of talking me into the the Kittle angle. I do like that, and it's it's also one of those things where you, you gotta imagine because Seattle's gonna have to go with a completely different game plan if, based on the numbers. When you average under 250 yards a game in your first two meetings, you don't really control San Francisco's offense. They were at well over five yards of play, and keep remember those were that was Purdy's first ever road start. That was Garoppolo coming off the bench when Lance was injured in the first quarter back in week two. So I have to think Pete Carroll tries to radically alter things. And what that means is, okay, let's try to get pressure on the quarterback. Let's sell out, force Purdy into making some mistakes. Your check down target in Kittle is going to be there as much as they want to focus on him. If you're Seattle, you kind of have to pick your spots. You got to either say, well, we're going to sell out to stop McCaffrey, Samuel, and Kittle in space, or we're going to rush the passer. And I have to think that they, with a pretty weak defensive line, are going to try and sell out and force Purdy into some mistakes. So Kittle could be a very easy target and a a nice little check down guy. All right, let's move on to the East Coast. Let's go to Jacksonville, where the Jags are hosting the Chargers. Chargers coming into this one, two and a half point favorites. Trevor Lawrence has been on fire, and basically the playoffs already started for the Jacksonville Jaguars when they punched their ticket and clinched that AFC South crown against the Titans last week. Coming into this game with a lot of momentum, five straight wins. Going up against the Chargers, who've shown some inconsistency this season and also some injuries might play a role in this one. What is your evaluation of this game? And more importantly, do you think that we will see the Jaguars mascot, Jackson DeVille, doing a celebration dance in a Speedo once again? I like that that's, that's the most important thing. You just, Janet <laughs> just wants to see uh, the DeVille, uh, yeah, Speedo dance. But Hard I'm glad. analysis here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, re- I respect that wholeheartedly. But look, no, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the whole sense of Jacksonville already having a playoff game. Because to me, you know, the betting market is going towards the Chargers. This was Chargers originally two, came down to pick them. Now we're back up to Chargers minus one and a half or two. And a lot of people seem to think, okay, well, 
playoff debut now for Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Herbert. They're, they're both in that playoff debut role, so you'd probably give the lean and the edge to the better quarterback here. But Jacksonville just played a, a game where they were what? I mean, how would you evaluate that game? That was like 60% of their, you know, on the season, like their overall potential output. And it was a really poor game plan game, I thought. Mm -hmm. And we're really lucky to beat Tennessee. You have a massive advantage by getting through that game, playing so poorly. Now and especially with the uh, Brandon Staley deciding yeah. to play his starters in a meaningless game, caused right. a little controversy, Joey Bosa and Mike Williams. Now kind of dealing with injuries, it's looking like both of them are going to be good to go. But still, uh, Chargers not inspiring a whole t lot of confidence. Then if that's the case, where are you looking to find some value here? Right. The, the pass defense is the thing that's really uh, improved me the most. And for the Chargers, you're a top pass defense, number one in the league over the last five weeks. So naturally, you think about that matchup for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I don't know how much success they're really going to have through the air, but what people kind of forget, and I don't know why teams are not running the ball more on the Chargers, Shannon, but they're 29th defending the run over the last five weeks, have not been a good rush defense team all year. And what does Jacksonville have? Uh, last time I checked, it, they have a super elusive, explosive, high-energy running back named Travis Etienne. If you're Doug Peterson as a head coach for Jacksonville, you have to look at what a failure that game plan was last week against Tennessee, even though you won, and say, all right, we only ran the ball 14 times. Like, we averaged the previous three weeks over 31 rush attempts and had a ton of success, won the previous three games that way. you got to get the run established again with Etienne. He's your guy. And as much as I you know, I have some doubts about Peterson with, with the game planning and how aggressive he loves to be and he gets super pass happy, I can't help but look at that matchup. It's, it's got to be staring him in the face. And I really believe coming off of a bad offensive output in what was a real playoff game, even though it won't technically go in the, in the record books that way, it logistically was a playoff game for Jacksonville. I see them really altering how they approach this from a run game perspective. And, you know, ETN's in that 75 and a half range on the rushing yards. That, to me, is a guy I, I would take a look at, even though you're paying a decent premium there, uh, to go over on the rushing yards. And for fantasy purposes, I, I'd lean Jacksonville in the game. If whoever advances is going to get Kansas City next week, that's not a run defense that inspires a lot of fear. So if, if you're trying to bank two weeks together and, and kind of double up your points next week, ETN, to me, is a really good option. Yeah, to add on to your point about the run game, Doug Peterson has to be going into this game as well, trying to take a little bit of pressure off of Trevor Lawrence into this one and, hey, get that run game going, and then you can start to stretch the field vertically, and the Jags in a good spot. So we we might be in a good position to see yet another speedo celebration dance from Jackson DeVille, the Jaguar. I like that. Ben is setting the over under it, like like one and a half celebrations. Like that's all that's all she wants to see. Um, I I look, I will, I will be fully supportive you on that. I I also want it. I might be looking to tease Jacksonville, depending on if I can get a dance partner there. You're at the point now where it's one and a half or two. You can tease that up through three or seven. It's not. A, I do you really think this is a game decided by margin either way? Like these teams are so even in, in both respects, where there are some positive things each team do. But at the same time, it's hard to trust either to really pull away from a game. And, and I, I find myself still with a lack of trust in head coach Brandon Staley for the Chargers exactly. as a game manager. I mean, there are rumors that he could be out if they lose this game, um, which seems wild on the surface. But when you really think about it, and with a guy like a Sean Payton kind of lurking in the wings there in L.A., like it makes sense. And I, I could easily see the pressure getting to L.A. in the spot. Uh, at the very least, don't think either team wins by more than a touchdown here. Let's move on then to Buffalo hosting the Miami Dolphins. 
now announced that Tua Tagovailoa is out in this one. So who will be at quarterback? Will it be Teddy Bridgewater, who was nursing a dislocated finger on his throwing uh, hand, or will it be Skylar Thompson once again? Or even, hey, Mike Glennon just got called up to the practice squad. So obviously the Bills in this one, the big favorites, 13 and a half points. That is the largest point spread of the weekend. When you're looking at this lopsided matchup, where can you find some value in the sports betting well, well, department? First, uh, God help us if we get Mike Lennon at quarterback, okay? Like, you know, it could nobody, happen. It could <laughs> No, nobody wants to see, I'm just saying, nobody wants to see that. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm so kicking myself because the, I don't know why, like why did the betting market assume that, te, that uh, Tua Tagovailoa ever had a chance to play? Like the market went from Bills 10 and a half all the way down to nine. And so here I am, I'm walking into the studio this morning. I'm like, nine. That number is a little low. That's a perfect, I can tease that down to three, two and a half. And then as I'm literally getting ready to go on the air, we get the two and news out. Line goes up to 12 and a half, 13. So from the, from the betting angles, I don't, I don't see much there. Uh, here's the thing though. You look at from the Buffalo offense. And again, th- those props are going to, are really going to force you to pay a premium because it's a bad Miami defense, bottom 10 in the league across most fronts. So the two meetings that the Bills and Dolphins had, Buffalo put up a combined 943 yards of offense. Like there was zero resistance in any form or fashion for Miami. So as much as we want to make this game about uh, how do the Dolphins look like if it's Skylar Thompson versus Teddy Bridgewater and, and how much do you really downgrade the offense, this is a position where Buffalo should be able to name their score. And you're, you're probably going to see a team total right around 28, 28 and a half with the way the totals at around 43 and a half. And so, uh, look, for, for Josh Allen, I mean, I have to imagine against a really bad uh, Miami pass defense that has been torched time and again, bottom five in the league, he is, he is going to have a lot of urgency in this game to put the game away. Like, think about the first two meetings. It was a, a total box score anomaly game in week three. Bills let the Dolphins hang around, even though they outgained them by more than double, and the Dolphins won by two. Similar thing happened in the next meeting where it was a three-point game and, and Buffalo really couldn't put him out of the water. So I expect Allen to have a big game there. Again, you're paying a premium. I get it. But that's the only angle I, I really see when you think about such a lopsided uh, mismatch there. And I, I I, hope you aren't being tempted by like, oh, maybe Skylar Thompson in fantasy. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't, don't talk yourself into it. Don't do it. And uh, hopefully this is a Bills Dolphins game where all of the equipment is, you know, nailed down or secured in place. That was the game that we saw that memorable. I guess now it's a meme of Ken Dorsey, like throwing the headset and just being really mad at at the end of that game. So hopefully we're lasting. That's like the lasting image from that. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, look, if you're also too, I mean, you're at least for him on the Buffalo side, imagine being an offensive coordinator and you watch Skylar Thompson, try to make plays who, so if you look at like, I always look at completion percentage over expectation. Like I, to me, that's a really valuable way to evaluate quarterbacks because that, that kind of com- combines actual completion percentage with expected completion percentage, which, which is kind of measuring like what throws do you have within your scheme and how are you appropriately or inappropriately applying those throws? Like, are you making the throws you should make? Uh, Skylar Thompson is 58th out of the 69 quarterbacks who took snaps this year. I mean, he's, He's barely above immortals like Nathan Peterman and Zach Wilson. So like, he really shouldn't be on the field. And I can't even imagine being like an OC, like, like a Mike McDaniel, watching him try to make plays. Uh, you're going to get a super vanilla, I would think, conservative game out of uh, Miami offensively. 
Okay, well, let's go to a more exciting game then. The New York Giants going up against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are three-point favorites in this one. The Giants, all season long, I thought that the pixie dust would wear off. Alas, here they are in the first round of the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Vikings are the luckiest team in the NFL by the luck metric, which takes into account missed field goals, fumbles, that sort of thing. So when you look at these two teams, given the unpredictability between the two, how do you appraise this one? It's so hard, right? Because if I was to power rate the 14 teams and if you ask the betting market to do the same thing, let's just pretend Miami and Baltimore are fully healthy. Team number 14 for me, Shannon, would be the New York Giants. Team number 13 would be the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't know that it's particularly close. You know, I, I think the, to me, the, like the Vikings, in all fairness, and, and Seahawks would be really, really tight metric-wise. As the Seahawks, to me, have been a lot of smoke and mirrors as well from the start of the year. So as a result, it's, it's really hard to make a case on, on the side. But defensively has been where the biggest struggles have been for each team. You think about the Giants, how bad the run defense has been down the stretch, 31st in the league in that final. I look at the... When I say final five weeks, I'm looking at like week 13 to 17 since week 18 didn't matter for most teams. Giants were giving up huge gashing holes everywhere. And it's a Viking offensive line that as long as they're intact and have a favorable matchup, which they do against the Giants, when Kirk Cousins has been kept upright, if you think about those games for him this year, his numbers are among the best in the league. And he's a top 12 advanced metric quarterback from you know EPA per play standpoints, from a completion percentage over expectation standpoint too. So it's meaning me to think that the Vikings will have success offensively. The one thing we know about Minnesota is on defense, whether it is run defense, pass defense, everything, they, they can't stop anybody either. So <laughs> over 40, and the market has gone up to 48 and a half most spots. I see a couple of 48 still out there. There was going to be points in this game. There were 51 in the first meeting, and it was a game that started really, really slow from a pace perspective. So, like, just, I mean, take, you know, Shannon, take your pick on the player prop. Like, there's going to be a lot of yeah. different angles. You can look overs, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe you avoid the stars where, like, the Justin Jeffersons of the world where the tax is going to be insane. They're going to be, like, the, you know, anybody, TJ Ockinson, KJ Osborne, they, there will be open lanes there for the Vikings. And the same thing goes for Saquon Barkley and the Giants. And I, I have to think Daniel Jones has a huge game running the ball, too, with his, uh, his dual threat. So, I know that's probably what you want to hear, right? Points, points, more points. <laughs> have a ton i think this week hey grab your popcorn for this one we we like yeah. to see a lot of offense especially uh after that bills dolphins game that we're probably going to need a nice high scoring affair all right to now cincinnati baltimore ravens they give us kind of a, a little dilemma here because is lamar jackson even playing and if so or how do we even approach this despite uh the situation at quarterback for the ravens it's hard because I don't – A, I don't think he plays. I mean, all, all the reports indicate yeah. it's a real uphill battle for him. And even if he was to, it, he hasn't practiced since December 4th. Yeah. I mean, think about just not like not doing anything related to your job, like even practice <laughs> for, what, 40 days. And now it's a playoff game, and it's like the most important spot of your season against a division rival. And it, think, too, it's, it's not like – an 80% Lamar Jackson is like an 80% Tom Brady, where he's just a you know a standalone pocket passer anyway. As long as he's at least upright and he can see the field, he can make the throws. Jackson's ability to impact the game is because he runs the football. So he has a leg injury. If he can't run the ball, it completely neutralizes what makes him such a special quarterback. So 
from that end, you see why like the betting market's gone up to seven and a half, pretty much market wide on this. So, still some sevens out there. I expect it to uh, to go higher. In a weird way, I think the way you attack this is you look at Bengal props and actually to the under because Baltimore's defense has shockingly gotten a lot better after remember start of the year. Lose Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. Everybody's talking about, okay, this is a disaster of a Baltimore defense. That's what's kept them in game. So down the stretch, they're a top five run defense now on the season. They made Cincinnati pretty one-dimensional. If you think back to last week, Bengals got all their points on turnovers, really. They had three turnovers turnovers on Anthony Brown in the first half. So I think there's going to be this misnomer that, oh, the Bengals just ran over Baltimore. They're the hot team. They'll have their way offensively. The only way for the Ravens to stay in the game is to limit possessions, play it really tight, close to the vest. And it, it kind of works hand in hand, right, where you know this, like you get these, these high-profile players, they get taxed through the moon. Everybody wants to bet Burrow, Higgins, Chase Overs. Those could be spots actually to look under this week where, I, you know, I didn't think uh, Burrow was all that efficient. He wasn't that efficient by the numbers last week. They just they took advantage of a lot of short fields, and I could see this game. I don't expect the Ravens to win, but. It could see this game being really a lot tighter on the spread than a lot of people think, largely because of the defense of Baltimore. Yeah, the Ravens defense really has improved, which just goes to show you the impact that Roquan Smith has on this team. Not they've been, been great. Yeah, they've been great. I mean, he earned his money, right? So let's uh, see if he can capitalize on that recent payday to help them get by the Bengals. Finally, let's take a look at the Monday night football game. The Dallas Cowboys head to Tampa to take on Tom Brady. A situation no team wants to find themselves in is going up against the GOAT in Tom Brady. In this one, the Cowboys come into this one two and a half point favorites. The Cowboys season has just been, uh, it's hard to know what to really make of the Cowboys, especially as we head into the postseason. Last game, they just had an absolutely horrible game against the Commanders. So what can we expect from the Cowboys? I mean, are we on Tuesday, are we going to be debating what was the bigger collapse by a Texas football team, TCU, or the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> uh, well, I think your, your big sigh uh, there tells it all, at least on like the perception of Dallas. Um, it's, it's weird for me because think about the last five to six weeks. We've been – because we figured this would be the matchup, the way the standings shook out. You get Dallas, big road favorite coming into Tampa, and the general perception was, like, Dallas is going to be favored by four and a half or five. How on earth can anybody talk themselves into backing Tampa? You get one week where Dallas, if we're being real, had nothing to play for. The odds of them moving up from the five seed to either the two or the one were basically, they were like 2% on, on realistic actual probability, given how heavily favored the Niners and Eagles were. I, to me, people are making way a way bigger deal of that than, than it ought to have been. And now the betting market is inside a field goal. Am I prepared to just hate myself on Monday night when I bet the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy does something moronic as a head coach? Sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious how you feel on the game because – Everything numbers-wise to me indicates yeah. this is a Dallas team that should have their way. I would, I would make the game five and a half or six on the spread. Dallas is a dominant run defense. They will take away Tampa Bay's run game, which is non-existent to begin with. So now you have a, a Tampa very unbalanced offense that knows exactly what they have to do. It's pass the football. And Dallas is, knows that with defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. I don't see how that makes moving the ball very easy for Tampa when their only path to success is so blatantly obvious. So it's, maybe I'm just a super uh, square opinion here, but like Dallas to me is the right side. I, I don't know how you look at it. 
Yeah, I mean, all the metrics point to Dallas in this one. More talent. You've got Micah Parsons back there leading a Dallas defense that's second in the NFL in DVOA. So we'll give Tom Brady absolute fits in this one. The Buccaneers have also shown inconsistent play all season. I think perhaps the betting market takes into account Tom Brady. You get that little boost there of his absolute clutch gene there. However, looking at this matchup sheer, on a sheer talent standpoint, the Cowboys are the more talented team. Where we get into a little variability is with Mike McCarthy. We've seen him make some critical errors. The other thing I'm concerned about with the Cowboys is one thing that plagued them last season was penalties. This season, that hasn't improved much. They're still top five in penalties that basically cost them a playoff game last year. Right. And last time I checked, yeah, penalties are kind of a reflection of your head coach. And uh, yeah, look, look, okay, I'm from Wisconsin, Shannon. Like we, we dealt with Mike McCarthy as a head coach as Packer fans for years. And you just, you, you became so conditioned to just horrible in-game, you know, coaching decisions there. But I also feel like we're kind of forgetting about the Todd Bowles angle, who has been a complete fraud this year as a coach. Looks completely lost on the sidelines. Byron Leftwich's offensive coordinator does not know how to make any in-game adjustments. So, like, the national media narrative is going to be, okay, how can you trust Dak Prescott? He's thrown 11 picks the last seven games for Dallas. How can you trust Mike McCarthy after the debacle last year, you know, with an in-game coaching mishandling against San Francisco? We're, we've kind of forgotten about how just dysfunctional the Tampa Bay team was overall. And you're a group that's what, bottom five in yards per play average. Your offensive line ranks as one of the, the league's worst. The only reason they aren't bottom five across the board is because in pass protection, Brady just gets the ball out within like two seconds every time. So he can't get pressured, and that kind of artificially boosts some of their numbers. I've been really down on Tampa all year. I don't really don't believe the betting markets have appropriately reacted to that just because of the power of the name Tom Brady specifically. But mm-hmm. – uh, I, I will be on Dallas in this game. I prepared to hate myself. I would also, look, <laughs> under, under is where I'd lean to. It's up to 45 and a half. Uh, and it, look, the, the key for Tampa Bay to have success is to ride a defensive unit that has been the strength of the team. With Prescott being so erratic the last few weeks, the, do, uh, do Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator and Mike McCarthy, do they rein him in a little bit? Focus more on the run game with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. I would, I would probably target like Pollard could be a, a nice buy low spot type of guy here where a, you have a split at running back. People don't like to, you know, to really invest in guys if it's a timeshare and B there's that perception of the Tampa Bay run defense, but Dallas offensive line wise it, with them, assuming they are healthy and fully good to go here, making sure the injury reports are all, all you know come out solid. That's an advantage where they, they could establish things on the ground, especially if the pass game, if, if they're looking to be a little more conservative early. So that's one of those underrated uh, targets I might look forward to. Another coach that I know will be locked in on this matchup is Dan Quinn, who knows all too well the power of Tom Brady as the former oh, yeah. coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He saw that epic collapse of the Falcons and Tom Brady come from behind Super Bowl win. So he had first uh, first row seats to that one. I don't think he's going to let that happen again with that defense that's been playing outstanding this year, led by Micah Parsons. So should be a good one to watch, though. As you mentioned, we always have that anxiety whenever we back the Cowboys in any type of uh, playoff scenario. But I'm sure, And I'm sure you're thanks to uh, the Falcon fans here listening to your show. are just like, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Thanks. You had to go it's there okay. again. I, mean, you, I know you used to work in the Southeast, and they're like, we really, you had to drive the knife into the into the heart a little more. But it is what it is. It comes with the territory. You, which you know what, Ben, now? You know what? They are riding high right now, Georgia Bulldogs. I am a former Georgia Bulldog, full disclosure. So we're feel, the Georgia fans are all feeling good. So, you know. 
The Falcons are a distant memory at this point. Okay. It's Thanks all about the Georgia me, Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> as a disgruntled University of Missouri alum with like, zero athletic success at my school. I, now I feel much I feel much worse. So thanks. For- hey, the toughest matchup of the year for Georgia was Mizzou. It was. So. Yeah, go figure. That's like the one thing we can hang our hat on. There you go. <laughs> ben, thank you so much for coming on and talking all things super wild card weekend. So excited for these games this week. Thank you so much for helping us break it down and finding the best edge in the betting market. Absolutely. Been such a pleasure, Shannon. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks so much. For all you guys at home, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and sign up for those notifications. Also, check out our software at linestarapp.com to help you find the best edge in the prop market and daily fantasy. Good luck in all your sports betting endeavors. We'll see you next time.